The book of Galatians is such a, an important book. Of course, they all are. But for us, especially living today, this book of Galatians is so vitally important. And as we as we dive into this study, um, I want to talk a little bit about the supernatural nature of the book that you hold in your hands. Um, don't ever underestimate the power of the scriptures. Even look at the way the New Testament is laid out for you. In the book of Matthew, you have Jesus Christ as presented as the Son of God and the King of the Jews. The reason that Jesus Christ is presented first and foremost in your New Testament as King of the Jews is because He came to His own people first. It's so vitally important that we understand that, that God is not done with Israel. And the reason that Israel is so significant is because unto them were first given the oracles of God. The Jews are better than everybody else because God gave the Scriptures through the Jews. That's what the Bible says. Amen? People say, well, you know, that doesn't sound fair. Well, okay. <laughs> it's just, that's just the way it is. But Matthew, then in Mark, Jesus Christ is presented as a suffering servant. That's not the Messiah that the Jews were looking for. They were looking for a conquering king, not a suffering servant. And so they missed him. In Luke, Jesus Christ is presented as the, the perfect man, the only man who could ever walk this earth and live a completely sinless life. But he died on the cross and rose from the dead. At the end of Luke, we're given the gospel. We're now told, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And from then on, he gives them the commission to go and preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he tells them to wait for something. Wait for that Holy Spirit power to come upon you. Because really, without the Holy Spirit empowering you, there's not really any reason to preach the gospel. Amen? And so they were told to wait for that Holy Spirit. In the book of John, Jesus, the last of the gospels, and the gospel of John was written after the writings of the apostle Paul. In that book, we see Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Well, now that Jesus Christ has been established as the King of the Jews and the perfect man, and He has been demonstrated to be our suffering servant who's risen from the dead, He's now proclaimed as the Savior of the world. Well, then the Holy Spirit can come in the beginning of Acts, and now we can have the church. And so the church begins uh, in power after Acts chapter 2, and then, of course, in the book of Acts, we get a transition. It's a transition from the Gospels. But they are the Jewish Gospels. It's a transition from the Jewish Gospels to the church and Gentile epistles. You go from Jesus Christ to the Jews all the way to the Romans. That's what happens in the book of Acts. In Jerusalem, they're waiting for power to come from on high. They have all things in common. So God sends persecution. They get scattered. They go everywhere preaching the gospel. And they're first called Christians at Antioch. Acts chapter 13, they're sending out missionaries all around the world. And through those missionary endeavors, we get the church epistles. So the book of Acts is a transitional book. It's a transition from Jerusalem to Antioch, from the, 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 the Jewish gospels to the church epistles. It's a, trans, it's a transition from the apostle Peter, the apostle to the Jews, to the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. It's a book of transitions. And then you get into the church epistles. Church epistles begin with the book of Romans. Romans is so important because Romans is the gospel. Romans is one long gospel tract. Learn that in Romans chapter 1, we all need to be saved. We're all sinners. Romans, if you respond to the light of creation, God will give you the light of conscience, Romans chapter 2. And if you respond to the light of conscience in Romans chapter 2, He'll give you the light of Christ in Romans chapter 3. And then it's just this great doctrinal treatise, and you get to chapter 12, and it says, therefore, because all this is true, therefore, you've got to live a different kind of life. And then you get to the book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians, well, you learn about salvation in the book of Romans. 1 Corinthians, you know what you find out? You're saved, but you are really sinful. Aren't you glad you didn't have to get good to get saved? You don't, have, you don't, you don't get cleaned up to take a bath, amen? You, 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 get, you take a bath because you're dirty. So Jesus Christ saves us, but what we find is even though we're born again in 1 Corinthians, I'm still a sinner. I got, I got a lot of stuff in my life that I've got to get right. Second Corinthians, you have basically a testimony of the Apostle Paul. And you know what we find out? You know what? After you get saved, you find out that you're a sinner. But Second Corinthians, you know what that tells us? I'm a new creature. Uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. I can live for Christ. I can be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And then we get to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians tells me how 
I can do that. And that's what those instruction books, when we get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, those four middle books in Paul's epistles, what we find out in those four middle church epistles, church letters, is how to live the Christian life in this present world. And it's so important for us. Let me tell you something fun that will help you to understand the supernatural nature of your book. The sixth book in your New Testament is the book of Romans. Look at that with me. Book of Romans. And go all the way to the beginning. We're not going to take the time to turn there, but we all understand from Revelation chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, that 666 is the number of a man. It's the mark of the beast. But six is the number of man. Six is the number of man. When we look at um, Genesis chapter 6, we learn in Genesis chapter 6 that the thoughts of men were, the imaginations of men were only evil continually. We learn about man, don't we? Man is wicked. But look at Romans chapter 6. Look at Romans. The sixth book of the Bible is Romans. Or the sixth book of the New Testament is Romans. There are six letters in the title to Romans. And then the spelling of Romans, six letters. And we also see that man is found in the title of Romans. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. All right, Romans 6, 6. This is learning about our condition and why Jesus Christ died. But notice the sixth word of the sixth verse. Look at it, it says man. <laughs> man. This is, you have a supernatural book that you hold in your hands. And this kind of thing continues all through your book, all through your New Testament. Um. Remember, we said that it's the sixth book. Well, the seventh book, the seventh day is the day of perfection. Remember, Jesus Christ rested on the seventh day. Uh, the, the seventh day is representing the perfection that we have in Jesus Christ. So Romans were saved. First Corinthians, that you don't seem perfect in First Corinthians, do you? That shows you there's nothing you can do to be saved. My standing in Christ is not based on anything that I do. It's based on the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? So you get in Revelation, if you go to Genesis chapter 6, man's wicked, or Genesis chapter 7, God destroys the earth through His righteous judgment in the flood. You get to Genesis chapter 8, and what's that? That's new beginnings. There's a whole new earth. What do you get in 2 Corinthians? I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature, the 8th book. Then Genesis chapter 9, God tells Noah to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. It's, it's fruit-bearing. Fruit-bearing in Genesis chapter 9. Genesis 9, 9, God gives a covenant with Noah and his seed. It's a covenant to bear fruit and that God will bless the world through the generations of Noah. Nine is fruit-bearing in the Bible. It's just you'll find it over and over and over again. So the ninth book of your New Testament is the book of Galatians. So what do you think the book of Galatians is going to be about? Fruit bearing. And it's interesting, there are nine letters in Galatians. Of course, all this is coincidence. And when you get to Genesis or to, to Galatians chapter 5, and you have the fruit of the Spirit, do you know how many specific characteristics there are in the fruit of the Spirit? Nine. Second Corinthians chapter 12, do you know how many spiritual gifts there are? Nine. You see, fruit bearing is all about that number nine. I don't know why God did it that way, but it's found that way consistently in the Bible. The only way that we're going to bear fruit is if we abide in Christ. Isn't that what it says in John chapter 15? If we abide in Him, then we will bring forth much fruit. Do you know how many times the word abide is used in John chapter 15? Just guess. Nine. That happens all through this book. And the book of Galatians is the book of fruit bearing. We're giving a title for our series on the book of Galatians, Living as Light. Living as Light. And as we get into the book, I think that you'll find some really fun things about this. Um, so remember what we've got. In Romans, I got saved. In 1 Corinthians, I found out I'm still sinful, even though I'm saved. In, First Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, I found out that even though I'm a sinner... As a saved sinner, Jesus Christ can use me to be an ambassador for Him. In the book of Galatians, I find out how I'm going to do that. All right? So now, living as light. Let's spend the rest of our time this morning 
just doing an overview of the book of Galatians. When we get done with this overview this morning, we're going to see why we need to study the book of Galatians. So, the first thing that we see in the book of Galatians is our great salvation. So, great salvation. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Have we prayed yet? Let's pray. Let's, let's just, even if we have, let's try it. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study your word. Lord, we've already seen some really fun things about the supernatural nature of your book. And Father, please help us to see that, that you don't put those things in there just so that our Bible is interesting. You're just demonstrating your almighty hand. So Father, help us to handle this word carefully and to apply it uh, uh, doctrinally. Lord, help us to understand this isn't just a religious exercise this morning, but we are actually here to be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. This is the only one of the epistles that's written to churches, not a specific church. So this letter was written to all the churches in this region of Galatia. Then it says, verse 3, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way it always has to be, isn't it? Grace and then peace. You can't have peace with God until you experience the grace that comes through salvation. Amen? There's without, without grace, there is no peace. But if you get born again, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, then you can actually experience genuine peace. How many of you remember the first time you really experienced that genuine peace after you were saved? you remember that? I wonder how many of us have gotten away from that peace, though. We experience the peace and the rest that comes at salvation. And yet now we've been saved for a little while and that turmoil is back. We're still sure we're saved. We're not worried that we're losing our salvation. And yet that turmoil has returned to our lives. Well, the book of Galatians tells us about that. Then look at verse 4. So we're speaking of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. When Jesus Christ was preaching, He claimed that one could come to Him apart from the law and have eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have apart from the law. That was Jesus Christ's message. And so the Pharisees killed Him. Because the law was their control over the people. They controlled the law. They interpreted the law. They applied the law. And they received the benefits of the law. That's what the Pharisees did. Those in the temple. The priestly class. And so that's why they killed the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the book of Galatians is about... If you go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law... You see that? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So what is justified? It means to be declared righteous. It's, it's the judge pronouncing not guilty. That's what justified is. When we are saved, God declares us righteous. It's a judicial thing. It's a legal declaration by the judge of all the earth that we are now righteous and holy and clean before Him. And the Bible says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now, if you've ever studied the book of Galatians, or if you have some footnotes there in your Bible, a study Bible, most commentators are going to give this as the theme for the book of Galatians. That we are not saved through the law. Now, that is in the book of Galatians. Aren't you glad that's in the book of Galatians? We're not saved. But there's so much more to it than that. And I remember that I, I came across this when we did our study on the book of Philippians. All the commentaries were saying that Philippians was about joy. But it wasn't about joy. It was about how to have joy through the mind of Christ. 
And it's, I think that so many times that we, we do these superficial readings of a book of the Bible and completely miss the point of the book. So here's the idea. The book of Galatians is not written to saved people to show them how to get saved. Amen? And one of the main reasons that people miss the theme of the book of Galatians is because they misunderstand the law. There are many people that think that people were saved in the Old Testament by keeping the law. How many of you ever heard somebody say that? That's completely false. The Bible says that no man is justified by the works of the law. No man. The law never saved anybody. The law is a schoolmaster to show us our sin. The, the Bible says that the law brings death. No one, not one person was ever saved by keeping the law. What was the purpose of the Old Testament law? The purpose of the Old Testament law, remember when it was given. The law was given to a people who had been chosen and redeemed. They had already been chosen. They were God's chosen people. And they had already been redeemed out of the land of Egypt and were on their way to the promised land. That's who the law was given to. Amen? And so the reason the law was given was to teach people how to live righteously before God and man in the promised land. Remember how many times? When you get into the land, when you enter the land, remember... When you enter the land, do this. When you enter the land, do this. It was all about living righteously in the land. That's what the law was for. The law was never to save anybody. The Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives the example of Abraham in the book of Galatians. Abraham was saved by faith. Abraham, the Bible says that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. No one was ever saved by the law. Because people misunderstand that, it's like you have this switch that people used to be saved by the law. Galatians is telling us we're not saved that way anymore. That's a complete misunderstanding of the law. A complete misunderstanding of the law. And we're going to take an entire message in this series and teach about the Old Testament law. What was the purpose of the Old Testament law? What does the Bible say about Old Testament law and salvation? Does the Bible say that anyone was ever saved by the law? We're going to discern that. So when you get into this book of Galatians, it's yes, it does teach us that we can't be justified by the law, but that's not the main reason for the book. The main reason for the book is to teach us how to live the Christian life in this present evil world. That's the purpose of the book of Galatians. So now let's demonstrate that as we study through this book. Um, I guess it, this would be a good time to answer this question. What is the purpose of the New Testament epistles? Why are they in the Bible? Are they simply to regurgitate the plan of salvation over and over and over again? In many churches around the country, what happens is you get a gospel message over and over and over and over and over again. That's, that, it's as if that's all there is in these New Testament epistles. No, these epistles are written to teach us how to live for Christ in between the time that we get saved and the time that we leave this earth. That's, so the law was there to govern the, God's people in the land. These church epistles are here to govern saved people while they live on this earth. So these are, these are the rules. This is how we are going to live the Christian life. How should we live? How should we behave in this world? And then how are we going to accomplish it? So our next question comes, if we're going to live as light, are we going to live as light by keeping the law? Remember what happened. Jesus Christ came and preached that people could come to him and have eternal life. And the Jews rejected him. Well, you know that some of these Pharisees and some of these Jewish leaders, they got saved. But they didn't want to give up the law. So what they wanted to do was they wanted to start applying the law to the Christian life after you got saved. So it would be like this. It would be like me saying that Nick can get saved. He comes. He, salvation is only by grace through faith. That's the only way you can get saved. 
The only way you can get saved is to realize that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, He lived a sinless life, and He died on the cross to pay for our sin, to pay for my sin, because I can't pay for it. There's no way I could ever be good enough to pay for my sin. So Jesus paid for that sin on the cross, and then He was buried for three days, three nights in the earth, and He rose from the dead, proving that He was and is God. I just accept that. I believe that. I receive that. I confess my sin, and I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord, my King, my ruler. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When that happens, then I'm saved. I'm born again. Amen? Uh, I am immediately a citizen of heaven. Immediately. But here on this earth, now, in order to live the Christian life, now, Nick, in order to be a Christian, you've got to have your hair cut a certain way, you've got to dress a certain way, you've got to walk a certain way, you've got to go to church so many times, because that's what Christians do. Do you realize how many people in the world have been confused by that kind of Christianity? That's what the Pharisees were doing. Amen? See, when you start putting weights on people, now you got a serious problem. That's what was going on. So in the book of Galatians, the apostle, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching the people that I can't be light in this world by keeping the law. I'm going to be light in the world by reflecting Christ. That's what the book of Galatians is about. That's what it's about. Anybody here, how many of you here could say, you know what? I could use that message. Anybody here? <laughs> that might be a help for you. That's why this book is so important to us right now and with our theme of light. All right. So then the underlying issue of Galatians, how are you as saved people going to live in a way that honors God between the time you are saved and going to heaven? Will it be by the law and ritual or will it be by yielding yourself to the controlling influence of the Savior? All right. So now, that's what salvation is. Salvation saves me apart from the works of the law. But what does salvation do in me? All right. So let's look at Galatians chapter 1 and look at verse 4, speaking of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. So we see right here, that Jesus Christ saved us to deliver us from this present world. So how does that look? What does it look like when someone is saved? Okay, go to verse 13 and you'll get it. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Okay, now, so here's the Apostle Paul. Before he's saved, he's Saul of Tarsus. He is a member of the Jews' religion, a, Pharisees of the Pharise a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And what he's doing is he's, he is destroying churches. That, that, that's what his job was. His job would be to come in here. See, we, 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 just, we don't think about what's really going on. His job was to come in here and have us arrested and killed. Grace Baptist Church. Sometimes we think everything was so much different back then. No, there are a group of people that were gathered together to love each other and study His Word. They'd been saved and baptized. They're meeting in a specific location. And a guy like Paul would come and kick in the door and haul them into prison. Do you know what Paul didn't need? He didn't need a relationship with Jesus. He didn't need to ask Jesus into his life. I've seen television preachers do this. Is your life, are, are you down? Are you depressed? Here's what you need to say. Say, Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I receive you. Wasn't that easy? There you go. You have new life now. Is that what Paul needed? No, no. Paul needed to be changed. And, and the church needed for Paul to be changed so that they could live. You see, we, we misunderstand the nature of salvation. 
The nature of salvation is that salvation is a transaction. It's where we, it's where my sin is placed on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's righteousness is placed on me. That's a transaction that takes place in a point, at a point in time. That doesn't happen from, you know, you saying, okay, me and Jesus got our own thing going. You can worship God the way that you want to. I'm just going to go up on the mountains. Me and Jesus will talk. Hey, bud. Sup? That's not what salvation is. And that's demonstrated for us in the life of the Apostle Paul. There is a conversion that takes place. Do you know what that means? You're changing it. You're making it something it wasn't. You know what happens? You become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what salvation is. So what we know salvation is when Jesus Christ saves us. The product of salvation is a new creature. And then, so what does that do? When a person is changed, when Jesus Christ delivers us from this present world, uh, now we change from verse 13. Now look at verse 23. But they had heard that he had, but they, I'm sorry, let's start reading in verse 23 again. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once, which once he destroyed. And now look at the result. And they glorified God in me. Is it about Paul? It's about God. You see, what happens in our lives when God genuinely saves us and we begin serving Him in the power of the Holy Spirit, do you know what people say? Praise God. Because only God can do that. The only person that can take Jim Alter and make him a useful tool in the service of God, the only one that can do that is God. That's what the book of Galatians is about. The the purpose of the book of Galatians is this. I need the benefit of my salvation to deliver me in this present world. The purpose of the book is how can I as a Christian be present in an evil world and not be evil like the world? That's what Galatians is about. Is the law going to do that for me? Here, let me, let me tell you guys. Here's what you guys need to do to be a Christian in this world. This world is so evil. So here's the way that you're going to live for God. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Now, there are things that you're not supposed to do. Amen? And your parents, I know your parents, they will kill you. There are things that you're not supposed to do. But how many of you think your Christian life is a list of things you're not supposed to do? That's crazy. That'd be like me saying, when I got married, somebody says to me, Jim, you got married. What does that mean? Can't date anymore. Jeez, no more fun. No, that's true. But (laughs) marriage is not not dating anymore. Amen? That's the wrong definition of marriage. Marriage is the union of two, and now we become one. One of the byproducts of that is I break the hearts of every other woman in the world. (laughs) Listen. One of the byproducts is I'm not on the market anymore. Amen? That's one of the byproducts. That's not what marriage is, though. Marriage is us glorifying God together. That's what marriage is. Marriage is us coming together, reproducing, having children that can glorify God, teaching them to bring glory to our precious Savior. That's what Christian marriage is. See, so the Christian life is not a whole list of things that we don't do. That's not what it is. The Christian life is how can I bring glory to God in this world? That's what Christian life is. That's what the book of Galatians is about. We find that Galatians chapter 1 verse 5, Galatians chapter 1 verse 24. All right. So what does salvation do? It causes me to glorify God through a radical change. And then God is glorified in me. 
All right, so that's what chapter 1 teaches. Chapter 2 teaches us, how do I get sufficient righteousness to get to heaven? That's what all the commentators would tell us. And we see that in verse 16, of course, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, how many of you are glad that's in the Bible? Amen. I don't have to work for my salvation. Do I have anybody here that's saved this morning? You know for sure that if you die today, you're going to heaven. You know. Aren't you glad you don't have to work for that? You don't have to work for that. Works of the law, no flesh is justified. But that's not the end of the book. There's some more information. Everybody ends Galatians right there. Look at verse 19, chapter 2 and verse 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law. But there's a reason for that, that I might live unto God. You see, Galatians isn't about salvation not coming from the law. Salvation is about living for Christ apart from the law. That's what Galatians is about. How am I going to live for Him? I must live for Christ. I cannot live in the law. But then the Bible tells us something else. That if I fail, if I fail to enjoy the full benefit of salvation in this life, that frustrates God. Now, how many of you understand what it means to be frustrated? Right? How many of you have ever, you've got a plan to have a good evening, a fun evening with your children, and then they frustrate you to the point where it doesn't happen? Right? And it would have been much better for the children if they had done right. Amen? Look at this. Look at verse 21. Look at verse 20. For I am, we're still in chapter 2, verse 20. For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's the idea. I'm saved and I live this Christian life in the flesh. How many people here still have your flesh? Okay. Some of us have more than we would like. All right. But we still have, we are living in this flesh. The way that I live in this flesh is not through the law. It's through Jesus Christ. Is that what Galatians 2.20 says? Is that right? What happens when I don't do that? Look at verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness cometh by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So here's the idea. If I am trying to live this Christian life through the law, that frustrates the grace of God. Well, then why is it, how is it, that if you went into 90% of the churches here in Sydney, they're going to give you all of these things that you need to do so that you can please God? I think maybe they're not reading Galatians. What do you think? Amen? You know, some churches, honestly, I promise you, there are churches that teach that you ladies, if you wear makeup, that you're not experiencing the grace of God. Seriously. You'll lose your salvation. You put makeup on. There are people that teach that. And they got some homely women, too. Anyway. um, So, obviously... The Bible says that frustrates the grace of God. Um, So how do I live? How do I live in this present world? Well, that's what chapter 3 is about. How am I going to live in this present world? Look at verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. That's nice. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified. Notice it doesn't say before you. It says among you. You have experienced this crucified life. You have experienced the crucified Christ. And yet now you're going to try and through some kind of religious ritual live the Christian life? How stupid is that? 
That's what the Bible says. Who's bewitched you? Who's bewitched you? How do I live in this present world? The day I was saved, I came to the cross. And if I never drew another breath, all I wanted was for Jesus Christ to save me from my sins so I wouldn't go to hell. How many of you, how many of you remember that day where you, where you realized, wait a minute, I'm going to hell. That's what I deserve. I'm going to hell. Jesus, save me from that. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. That's the way you came to Christ. That's the way that God wants us to live in this world. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. God wants me to live every day and every moment of every day remembering the way that I came to Him in simple faith, in simple trust, clinging to Him. That's how I'm supposed to walk through this world. But after we get saved for so long, oh, I know how to do that. I know how to dress when I come to church. I know how to talk. I know how to say this. How you doing, brother? Oh, God's been so good. See, I know how to do that now. I know how to give the glory where I'm supposed to give it. I know how to answer questions in the spiritual way. Um, how's your faith? Oh, I'm strong. I've overcome. We learn the religious language. And you know what happens inside? We're dying. We are dying. Do you want to know why? Because the law kills. You don't lose your salvation, but there's no joy in your Christian life. You're definitely not bringing glory to God because everybody looks at you and says, this guy's nuts. He says all this stuff about God, but I know what a basket case he really is. So how can I live the Christian life in this present world the same way I got saved? Clinging to Jesus Christ. Trusting in Him for my daily power, for my daily strength, for my daily deliverance. That's what the book of Galatians is about. He wants me to continue in this mindset so Jesus Christ is seen in my life. Let me say this. There are only two things that we're supposed to worry about. You know, um, do we have any golfers here? Any golfers here? One of the things that you hear about is swing thoughts. How many swing thoughts do you have? Um, For me, it's usually about 15. But you're only supposed to have two or three. And so consequently, I'm a schizophrenic golfer. You know, somebody says, how are you going to play today? Well, it depends on which swing I brought with me today. It's just always going to be bad. Well, it's the same with our Christian life. Why are you here? See, the question that you need to ask and the questions that Galatians asks is this. Will it bring glory to God and will it benefit others? Those are the only two worries that you have. When you're getting ready to make a decision, here are the only two questions you have to answer. Will it bring glory to God and will it benefit others? That's it. But you know what my problem is? Here, here's, here's, how, here's what my nature says. Uh, what's in it for me? Well, how is this going to make me feel? Uh, how is this going to help me? How is this going to make me look better? How do I get around that? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. Remember what the theme of this book is. It begins all the way in chapter 1, verse 5, chapter 1, verse 24. Bring glory to God. And then look at chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. It's very simple. You know what the Christian life is? Glorifying God and living for others. That's a lot more simple than what we think, isn't it? But man, is it hard to do. It's really hard to do. The only way I can do it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, It is foolish to think self-effort or religion is going to do this. All right, so then that's chapter 3. Look at chapter (coughs) 4. You know what chapter 4 teaches us? Don't go back. Don't go back to your old life. Look at verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, 
were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So here's the idea. I used to be under the control of the world. The world controlled my thinking, it controlled my desires, it controlled my plans, it controlled my very nature. But now that I'm saved, I have a new controller. That controller is the Holy Spirit. But the only way I can do that is to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill, fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So now I've got to understand that what, what, what the world is going to want to do is draw me back, to bring me back. I used to be under the control of the world. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, a servant to the world. That's what the verse is talking about. And if a son, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Look at verse 9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? So here's the idea. All of us, okay, let me ask you again. How many of you, you're saved? You know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Well, the, the way that you got saved is you realized that the other stuff that you were trusting in, that's not good enough. Right? And as children, that's taught to us, those of us who are saved as children, but those who have made the decision as an adult, man, you really understand what that's talking about, right? Those of us who have lived, we understand it's all garbage, man. What this world has to offer, it's empty. The Bible calls it beggarly. Have you ever seen a beggar? How many of you want to do that? No. Used to work in Chicago. And man, I, I remember I was downtown one time. It was summertime. This beggar, the, he, he had a bike and he was riding his bike and he stopped at this trash can and somebody had a Dairy Queen cup in the trash can with the leftover of a milkshake. You know what I'm talking about? He pulled it out of the trash can, drank it. Went on to the next trash can. Anybody have that plan for lunch? That on the menu, somebody else's garbage? The Bible says that after we've been saved for a little while, the world starts calling us back to that. That's exactly what that verse 9 says. Let's look at it again. Look at what it says. I'm a son of God. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? You see, one of the things, one of the keys in the book of Galatians is don't go back to your old life. In this life, there will be a constant appeal to turn back to that which you once found worthless. Don't go back. And then we learn in chapter 5 that there are going to be people that are going to try and hinder us. We're trying to run our, our race and people will try and hinder us. Look at chapter 5, verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, now I, I, we're going to preach through this whole book, okay? I, I can't preach the whole book right now. I know some of you are thinking, then stop. But look, look, at, look at chapter 5 and verse 5. Look at what it says. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. You see what that's saying? Through the Spirit, I wait for Christ to make me righteous. I don't go adding religious rituals to make me righteous. Amen? The problem, though, is look at verse... Um, let's see. Let me look at my notes here. Look at verse 15. Um, but if you bite 
and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't get entangled with that again. Christians can get entangled with that again. Um, Verse, here, I want to find this. Let's just read through chapter 5. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. For ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Here's what I was looking for, verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Who hindered you? If you're saved, if you're born again, there was a time when you were free in Jesus Christ. And you've come under the weight of expectations, the weight of what everybody wants you to do. Who has hindered you? You did run well. Who hindered you? Can I give you some examples? And you're way too enthusiastic about Jesus. You talk about Jesus way too much. Why are you, why are you down at that church so much? You're not giving that church all your money, are you? I could have three cars for what you give. All of those things have been said. Who hindered you? You know what? You gotta settle down on this religion stuff. Just blend in. We need a church service that looks more like the world so they can be comfortable when they come in. Who hath hindered you? Man, saying doesn't save. Got to be something different. That's the idea of new. New is not the same. There's a change that happens. The Christian life should look different than the world. Amen? Who hindered you? Who hindered you? Well, the book of Galatians is about don't go back. But verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. You see, my problem is not necessarily everybody else. My problem is me because I still want me. I still want to be in charge. I still want to bite and devour because it's my nature. That's still in me. Don't go back. Stand in the Spirit. Wait with hope for the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. Pray for Him to change you. And He will. He will. I am still capable of living for myself. Galatians teaches me how to live for others. Then last, you know what? Chapter 6 gives us a synopsis. Look at verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Do you know what the book of Galatians is about? It's me living as light in the world through the crucified life, through the power of Jesus Christ. Do you want to see something cool? The contrast between the Christ life and my life. Look at chapter 5, verse 15. But if we bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Look at chapter 6 and verse 16. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. You see, I can either have biting and devouring or I can have peace. I, I, can, have, I can be full of self or I can be full of the Spirit. The crucified life is where I walk in peace and I can be at peace with others. That's what comes from the crucified life. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Can I give you the theme verse for Galatians and we'll be done? Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. 
This is the purpose of the book of Galatians. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. What is that talking about? Have you ever had somebody, they've got a new baby, and they can't wait to show you pictures? Amen? Rarely is it the ultrasound. Hey, you want to see a picture of my boy? Don't you see him? He's right there. Look, there's, there's his head. Yeah. Great. Looks just like you. Right? Do you know what the problem with the world is? They see Christians that are still living as if they're just two or three days from conception. Do you know what the book of Galatians is about? Do you know what the purpose of the New Testament church is about? It's about growing those fingers that can be identified as fingers. That, that mind developing, that heart developing. Developing that, 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 you know, when the baby is born, you don't look at, oh, look at that amoeba. Right? What's the first thing you do? Okay, ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes, and already saying, Dad, Dad. You see, the purpose, what Paul was saying, he tr- it, it, it is just as if he's going through that birth process again so that you can be made Christ-like. That's what the book of Galatians is about. The problem in the world is we have so many Christians that are really just like that undeveloped child that hasn't been born yet. We're saved, but we never grow. It doesn't matter how old you are. Has Christ been formed in you. That's what the book of Galatians is about. That doesn't happen through a religious ritual. It doesn't happen by trying harder. It happens by surrendering and submitting yourself to the crucified life and allowing Christ to do that in you. That's what the book of Galatians is about. Y'all ready for a fun ride? It's going to be a great ride. Let me ask you this. Does anybody here need it? (laughs) Me too. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your...